Thank you, Lon, and what an appropriate song for the message that I'm going to be delivering today about the Word of God. So imagine with me that you get into a car to drive it with a passenger, and as you get into the car, you notice that the gas tank is near empty. So if you have an old-style gas tank, it's pointing near the E, not the F. And if you have a digital one, it still might have an E and an F or it tells you how few kilometers you have left before the tank runs out of gas. So what do you have to do to reconcile this issue? Well, you have to go to a gas station to get some fuel. So imagine that you're driving towards a gas station and you have a passenger in your car. Could be your spouse, it could be a friend, it could be your child or, or another person. But as you approach it, you do something strange. You don't pull up to the fuel pump where you can transfer fuel into your car. You just drive near the gas station and then you keep going. And your passenger, a spouse, a family member, a, friend, a family member or a friend gives you this weird glance. They look at the gas gauge, and then they look at you, and they look back at the gas station. And they say, what are you doing? Why didn't you stop at the gas station for fuel? You're going to run out of gas. But you are prepared for this. You have an answer. You say, well, in the past, I ran to the gas station as soon as my gas gauge was down to a quarter. But you can actually drive for quite a while on a quarter tank of gas, so I'm just going to keep driving. After all, I just drove near the gas station. That should be good enough for a while. They know that I need gas, so they'll come to rescue me if I run out. And the person scrunches up their face and says, what are you talking about? That's not going to work. You will run out of gas if you don't pull up to a fuel tank and connect the hose to your car. Turn around right now before it's too late. Now, none of us would do something that foolish when it comes to our cars. We know that if we don't get refueled, we'll run out of gas. We'll get stuck on the side of the road somewhere. And then we'll be in trouble or even in danger. Yet, might we make a similar decision when it comes to our relationship with God? Might we live day after day, week after week, without really connecting to God? We kind of go near Him when we drop into church occasionally, but we don't stop and connect with God personally. We think we can depend on others to do that for us. We think we can live off our spouse's connection with God or our parents' connection with God or the pastor's connection with God. But that's like believing that when someone else fills up their car with gas, somehow the gas is going to get into your car. We need to personally connect with Jesus. We need to personally hear from God. We need to personally abide with Christ or else we will be running on empty. And might that be where you are at today? Maybe your life is so full that you have no room or time for Christ. Maybe you've been trying to find a Jesus drive-through. 
and you're willing to give Jesus 30 seconds occasionally of your day, but more than that, it's just too much. Yet, there's no such thing as a drive-through gas station, and you actually have to stop to get fuel. And there's no such thing as a shortcut to significant connection to Christ. Maybe we don't believe that we really need this. Maybe we don't understand the necessity of personally connecting with Christ and hearing God's voice. But we need to hear the voice of God. Why? And that's what we're going to explore today by seeking answer to two questions. Number one, what do we mean by God's word or the voice of God? And then number two, what can happen when we actually hear God's word or God's voice? And I pray that God might use this today. If you have been practicing a drive-through relationship with Jesus lately to draw you closer. And if you're already closer with Christ, that you will be encouraged to continue today. We're going to be in several texts in the Bible today, but if you want to anchor on one, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to verse 3. And I'm just going to read Hebrews 1, 1 to 3. It's on page 847 in the Bibles in front of you. Just three verses, and then we'll get into our questions. So the writer of Hebrews writes this. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He, Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature, and he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. So the first question today is, what do we mean by God's word? How would you answer that question if someone came to you and said, what is the word of God? Most of us would probably say the Bible, which is the big one, of course. Yet there are five different forms of God's word found in the Bible. And I'm depending on theologian Wayne Grudem for this one in his systematic theology. He identifies these five different forms of God's word that are accessible to us today as well. So number one is the word of God is the person of Jesus Christ. The word of God is the person of Jesus Christ. And this comes from the gospel of John most prominently, where John saw that Jesus was a living embodiment of the Word of God. So in John 1, 1, he writes, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And then in John 1, 14, he writes, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, full of grace and truth. So, if we want to connect with God, we have to become students of Jesus' life. And we have to become followers of Jesus, for God communicates his word 
through Jesus' words and his own life. Number two, the next four are subsets of this number, number two. And that is simply the word of God is speech by God, which makes sense. We get to know other people by what they say. We learn about their opinions, their thoughts. We discover their likes and their dislikes. And it's the same with God. We learn about God by his speech or from his speech. However, there are four different forms of God's speech in the Bible. And Grudem notes these. The first one is God's decrees. God's decrees are powerful statements that cause things to happen or come into being. So you see a whole bunch of these in Genesis 1, chapter 1, verse 3, for example, and God said, let there be light, and there was light. God spoke, and something happened. Genesis 1, verses 6 and 7, and God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters, and it was so. Genesis 1, verse 9, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered together into one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And you see this all the way through Genesis 1. God issues a decree and something happens. God's decrees cause the creation of the universe and his decrees continue to sustain the existence of all things. And this goes back to our Hebrews passage. In Hebrews 1, notice he says, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. So there's the Jesus piece again. And then in verse 3, he says, Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power, meaning that the universe continues to function ultimately by Jesus' word. Jesus' word upholds the universe, which means the galaxies function and the planets orbit the sun and our earth keeps spinning ultimately by Jesus' word. So those are examples of God's decrees. The second form of speech of God is God's words of personal address when he talks to, directly to people. And we see this throughout the Bible. God communicated to Adam and Eve, for example, when he gave commands in the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2, verses 16 and 17. He spoke to Abraham, instructing him to leave his homeland and go to a land that he would show him. In Genesis 12, verse 1, he spoke to Jacob during a wrestling match in Genesis 32. He spoke to Moses through the burning bush in Exodus 3. He spoke to Hannah when she wept before the temple in first, or tabernacle in 1 Samuel 1. He spoke to Mary about bearing his son in Luke 1. And he spoke to Paul, asking why he was persecuting him in Acts verse 9. God spoke directly to people and we believe that he continues to speak to us today in various ways and maybe you have experienced this at some point in your life where the Lord impressed upon you a message or a passage of scripture that he wanted you to know during a troubling time and some of the testimonies that you will hear next Sunday will speak 
of this reality. I hope you can join us next Sunday. We're having a special baptism and membership service with plenty of testimonies. So that's form number two under this second category, God's words of personal address. The third form of speech by God is speech by human lips. So he speaks through other people. And God raised up prophets to deliver his word to his people throughout the Old Testament. And again, back in Hebrews 1 verse 1, we read long ago, at many times, and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. And so the prophets are given the word of God to speak out. Isaiah speaks out a warning for the people to turn back to God before it's too late. But then later he speaks words of comfort that God has not forgotten them. As Jeremiah spoke out these words of warning and that Jerusalem would be destroyed. And the Lord raised up John the Baptist as the last prophet who spoke a baptism of repentance in preparation for the coming of Jesus' ministry. And then the fourth form of speech by God is written form. And God communicated by writing right at the beginning with the people of Israel when he wrote the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. And then Israel began to collect the writings of Moses and Samuel and David and others and that became the Hebrew Bible, and then the church collected the writings of the apostles in the form of the New Testament. Yet these were not just human opinions. God inspired the writers so that we can point to the Bible as trustworthy in communicating God's word to us. So now you have five answers. If someone asks you, what is the word of God? Or what do we mean by God's voice? Where can we hear it? Number one, the word of God is the person of Jesus Christ. And second, the word of God is speech by God in four forms. His decrees, his personal words to people, his words through human lips, and the written word. Then question number two. What can happen when we hear the word of God? When we hear God's voice. What is possible when we connect with God? Why should we stop at God's gas station and get out of our car and go into the coffee shop to commune with God? And the answer is God's power and life flow through his word to us. God's power and life flow through his word to us. Just as a gas pump provides fuel to fill up a car's gas tank, God's word provides us with life and power to fill us up. When Jesus began his public ministry, he went into the desert for 40 days, and then the devil comes to tempt him and challenges him, saying, if you are the Son of God, command these stones to turn to bread. But Jesus answers, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So humans live ultimately by the word of God. And we can receive God's life-giving power and strength when we listen to and hear the word 
of God. And I want to share with you several examples of this through Jesus' ministry in the New Testament. So you can just listen to these examples, but there, there are many of them. Matthew 8, 13. And to the centurion, Jesus says, said, go, let it be done for you as you have believed. And the servant was healed at that very moment. So Jesus spoke, and through his words, power and healing came to the servant who was not even present. Or Matthew 9, verses 6 and 7, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. And he rose and went home. So through Jesus' words, the power of healing flowed into this paralytic's life. Or Matthew 9, 28 to 30, when he entered the house, the blind men came to him and Jesus said to them, do you believe that I am able to do this? They said to him, yes, Lord. Then he touched their eyes saying, according to your faith, be it done to you. And their eyes were opened. Matthew 12, 13, then Jesus said to the man, stretch out your hand. And the man stretched out his hand and it was restored healthy like the other so by the word of the lord the power of healing flowed into that man's hand matthew 15 28 then jesus answered her "O woman great is your faith be it done for you as you desire and her daughter was healed instantly another example of someone being healed in another place just through jesus word mark 1 24 to 25 this is an unclean spirit speaking. What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit convulsed him and crying out with a loud voice came out of him. Jesus spoke and the demon obeyed submitting to the power of God. Mark 1, 40 to 42, and a leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling, said to him, if you will, you can make me clean. And moved with pity, Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him and he was made clean. Mark 4, 39, and Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was great calm. Through Jesus' words, the power to stop the wind and the sea was affected. John 5, 5 to 9, we looked at this passage earlier this year about the man lying by the pool for 40 years, lame. And when Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? And the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me in the water. When the water stirred up and while I'm going, another steps down before me. And Jesus said to him, get up, take up your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Jesus didn't touch him. Through his word came the power of healing. John 11, 43 and 44. When, when Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And the man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Through Jesus' words, 
resurrection power came to Lazarus' body. God's life and power flowed through Jesus' words. And when we connect to Jesus and his words, we can be filled up with the life that he came to give us. And that's what Abide 5 is all about. If you're following along with the series, it explores the question, why do we need to hear God's voice? And one reason is so he can be your life. By listening to God's word, we can connect to the life he brings. God brings his life and his power through his word. So we need to hear his voice so we can connect to this life and power. And as we prepare for the Lord's table today, I want to invite you to examine yourself and your connection with Christ. Have you been practicing a drive-through relationship with Jesus lately? Were you given 30 seconds or less? Or have we stopped and stepped out of our busyness to sit at his feet, to hear his word, and to be filled with him? For he is always available, and he desires to give us life to the full. Lord Jesus, as we come to your table now, we recognize your holiness, your greatness, and your power, your willingness to sacrifice yourself for us, and your desire to be in relationship with us today. Your words bring truth. They bring power and they bring hope. And help us as a people to more intentionally, more deliberately look for and seek your word for our lives, for this church community, for the world. And we pray this in your name.